Our second reading today is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, starting at verse 13. And it's on page 1271 of this, this Bible. Submission to rulers and masters. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted amongst men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper, proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, This is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We give thanks to this reading of of God's word. Thank you, uh, Greg. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you that we can have it read and explained. I pray this morning for myself as I share your precious word with your people that you would help me to share your word with the power that comes from your Holy Spirit. You forgive me for my sins, Lord. And thank you for the privilege and honor of of sharing this word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends, why submit? That's the topic for this morning. Why should we submit? I'm sure if we do a survey uh, in in this place, uh, we may find out that many of us would have a problem with submission or may have had a problem with submission at some stage in our lives. Maybe at school, uh, maybe at home, your parents have said something to you, oh, I want you to do something, I want you to get your room clean before such and such a time, and you say, well, I I can't do it, I can't, I'm I'm, I'm quite busy. Or perhaps uh, you've had... Issues of submission in the school, you know, your principal or your teacher has said, you've got to do this homework before this day, otherwise you're going to lose marks. And Man, come on, surely you should be showing grace to me. I'm a busy student. Don't you understand the lives of students? We have Facebook, I've got texting to do, I've got TV shows to watch, I'm busy with my sports. Surely you can't be that cruel to me. Right. Our submission on the roads. We drive our cars and we get this red light that's coming in. I think, oh man, within a second I can just get through that light. And lo and behold, you're going through the red light, right? Um, 
Submission to laws, submission to authorities. It's a struggle, isn't it? I'm sure we struggle with it, right? Uh, the idea that we need to submit to an authority over us is quite challenging uh, in, in our culture as well, uh, where we have to choose which, which voice will actually govern us. Will we submit to the words of our culture or will we submit to the words of our God? Now, the immediate context here in this passage, here in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, Peter reminded his readers that Jesus Christ is the living stone. He is the promised Messiah spoken by the prophets. We looked at the Old Testament passages in the previous messages which pointed to Jesus as the living stone. People rejected him as the living stone and they reject him even today. But God has not rejected his son Jesus. He's the living stone, he's also the cornerstone. And those who trust in Jesus Christ alone, they are saved by his grace and made living stones in God's temple. If you are a Christian this morning, then you have the Spirit of God dwelling in your heart and in your life. So Peter has given us that uh, theological exposition, but now he calls us to live the practical life. Recognizing that we have a spiritual battle, the passions of the flesh which, which war with the soul. We live as strangers in this world. We live honorable lives. We do good deeds that glorify God. We are to wait ready for the day of, of, the day of visitation. We live in this world with our fallen human nature, but at the same time, we know that our citizenship is in, in heaven. All right? Uh, the passport has been sealed. Uh, we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Our citizenship is in heaven, but we live our lives here on earth. And as citizens of this world, we are not a law unto ourselves. We are to submit to authority. And so this battle for submission began with Satan himself. He was the one who challenged God. And we read in Genesis 3 how Satan tempted Adam and Eve. They were placed in the perfect garden environment. They were given permission to eat of every tree except one. Tempted by Satan, they refused to submit to God's authority by eating the fruit of the forbidden tree. And ever since that time, we have a battle, not just submitting to authorities, but also submitting to God himself. And so in this section of scripture, uh, Peter speaks of a few things about submission. There is the submission to authorities, the submission to masters, and the last one, I don't want to go there. Wives, the submission to husbands. So whenever I look at that today, it will take me two hours to expand on that one. Um, all right, no. We're going to look at two aspects here, the authority submission. Uh, so so that, that, that's the broader, broader context of submission that we have here. Three aspects, submission to authorities, submission to masters, Wives to submit to their husbands. But for today, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. And I'd like to divide the text into three parts uh, this morning. The submission to authorities, the submission to bosses or to masters, and the submission by Jesus, the example. So Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Verses 13 to 17 in your Bibles, in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have the scriptures open to that passage, that will be great. What does this word submit mean? The word submit is a military term. It literally means this, to arrange information under the commander. 
So you have the commander, you arrange in formation under the commander, and when an army commander speaks, you know the soldiers got to listen. When a captain speaks, you listen. Right? It, that's exactly kind of the translation that we have here. To arrange in formation under the commander. It describes a conscious subjection to another person's authority. And in our text here this morning, we are to submit to every human institution. That's the word that is used there. The word for institution in the original language means a foundation. It means to submit to every foundation of authority that God has established in this world. It's hard, isn't it, at times? For example, the authority and the need to submit at home between parents and children. And as parents, we tell our children, obey what I say. I will be doing that. One kid said this, I'm seated on the outside, mom, but I'm actually standing on the inside. I'm obeying you on the outside, but on the inside, I'm not really. Okay? Uh, it's, it's an attitude thing as well, isn't it? It's all about submission and authority in the workplace, Ephesians chapter 6. What about authority in government-established institutions, schools, law courts, and so forth? Authority of the session in the church. We, uh, one question that we ask people who make their profession of faith in Christ is, will you submit to the authority of the session of this church? Uh, as they give spiritual leadership and guidance. So Peter says here, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Why are we to submit? We are to submit for the Lord's sake. And Peter speaks of this human institution, and in particular, reference to the emperor at the time. And at the time this letter was written, the Christians were under Roman rule. And the emperor at the time was this guy, it's kind of clear there, I hope. The emperor at the time was... uh, uh, was Nero. That's, uh, some others might dispute that, but it was Nero at the time. He came to power in AD 54 at the age of 17. He was a cruel emperor. And these Christians were living under an emperor who was so anti-Christian. And they were mistreated. We, we, we heard about the sufferings of Christians this morning, didn't we, from David. Right? The persecution that goes on. Some were enslaved. These were tough times for the believers. And what does Peter say to them? Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake. Man, that must have been hard for these Christians. Uh, they would have expected Peter to say, oh, rebel against these guys. Uh, take, take a stance against them. But Peter says, the tough call, he says, I want you to submit to every human institution uh, as unto the Lord. It's a tough call. It's a radical call. How could they submit to a regime that was anti-Christian? How could they pay taxes to a regime that was oppressive? How could they pay taxes to a government that was against Christians, Peter says, you do this for the Lord's sake. That's why. The Apostle uh, Paul writing to, uh, to the Roman church, and I'm going to read all of that this morning, but in, in verses 1 to 5, in fact, um, he, says, he says this, 1 to 9 Romans. He says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Let me go further. For he is God's servant. This is speaking about those who exercise authority under the government. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So Paul is saying this. That God establishes government to restrain wrongdoers, 
to maintain justice and so we must obey. So we have today police officers. I mean, it's a terrible thing, isn't it? When you're driving on the road and you see a police car behind you, do you kind of look at your speedometer? I mean, my eyes go straight to that. Oh, am I keeping the speed limit here? Because I know this guy is behind me, right? It's interesting. Have you ever been stopped by a police officer? It happened to me once. And you wouldn't believe this. I was going, I was driving in Colac. I was going to receive my citizenship award, become an Australian citizen that morning. This is what happened. I was driving in Colac, just maybe 10 k's over or something. The siren and the lights. What's going on? Stop, sir. Why are you in a hurry to go? I'm just about to become an Aussie citizen. Oh, <laughs> not a good thing to say. Oh, good thing is I need to get to the ceremony. Maybe I was about five k's, ten k's. Or I will give you a warning, but you know, just be very cautious next time. What's the speed limit? Ah, grace, grace, save me. All right. So you see, we have police officers, we have magistrates, we have judges that uh, forces that that uh, that are there to maintain proper government, to enforce law, and to uphold justice. Now, friends, what I just said about that police thing, don't say it to anyone because I'm a police chaplain, by the way, so just keep it quiet. Okay. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 8, 15 and 16 says this, By me kings reign, the rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule, the nobles, all who govern justly. And then God says in his word that God brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. You see, God appoints and God will bring them down. And how are we to live in submission to authority? Peter says this, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Lots of things there. All right? Peter wrote this letter. The Christians were being accused of being a rebellious bunch of people. They were accused of not obeying and following the king. And so Peter says, do good. Uh, This will silence the ignorant. It's a very interesting word that is used here for this word silence. The original text tells us that the word is to muzzle. It means to make someone speechless. In other words, Peter is saying, when you live a good life in this city and people see it, it will muzzle their mouths and they will be speechless as they see you living as a model citizen in the city of Melbourne, in Australia. And then it says, live as free people because Christ has freed us, but we ought not to exercise that freedom at the expense of, of the law of the land. Living as servants of God. I think Martin Luther put it quite well. It's a very good quote. He says, a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. (laughs) What? Subject to all. And so Peter goes on to give us four practical applications. Honor everyone that is irrespective of their race, irrespective of the color of their skin, irrespective of their religious background. We are to honor everyone because they are made in the image of God. We are to love the brotherhood. Who is the brotherhood of believers? Who is that? Who is that? Us, the body of Christ, the church, the believers, 
Right? We have to love the brotherhood of believers, not tear each other apart, not slander one another, not having a critical and vengeance spirit against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that is not good. We honor the brotherhood of believers by loving the body of Christ. You and I, are, we are not a perfect church by any means. You know that, right? The moment I joined this congregation, it became imperfect because I'm an imperfect guy, right? We are not perfect people. We are a perfect church, but we are a church that is gospel-driven, a church that is gospel-centered, a church that is seeking by the power of God's Holy Spirit to live a life that honors Him. Praise God for that, that we submit ourselves to Him, that we fear God. Peter says, fear God and honor the King. And that's why, friends, uh, Paul says this, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our prime minister. We need to pray for our cabinet ministers, state premiers, whatever. Pray for all in authority in our, in our land. And then Peter deals with another topic of submission in the workplace, and this is a tough one, isn't it? Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust, for this is a gracious thing. Um, Well, none of us would approve slavery, would we? Today we may have abolished slavery in this world officially, but there is so much of human trafficking going on in this modern world. World Vision um, says this, or I got this quote from, uh, from, from them, human trafficking is emerging as one of the world's most lucrative business. It is estimated that trafficking enslaves well over 27 million people around the globe. Many of these millions are our neighbors in Southeast Asia. How's that? Human trafficking. Now, when Peter speaks about slaves here, he's not speaking about uh, that kind of trafficking. Rather, he's saying this. It is important to understand the slavery here. He's writing here to Christians who are scattered, who had to work under Roman rule. And historians are of the view that at the time of the Roman society, about 25 to 40% of the population consisted of slaves. All right? Uh, Some were cooks, some were cleaners, some were teachers, some were doctors, They served as slaves in the households of their rich masters. And as the gospel spread, many slaves became Christians. And there was a problem then. You know what happened? Because when these Christians, when these slaves became Christians, they went back to those households, to those homes, and their bosses were not Christians. And you can see the problem. But but these bosses, some of them were in the church. But in the church, these slaves had become Christians, and they were leaders in the church. They were, some of them were elders. And when they had the boss at, at work, can you see the potential conflict? I'm an elder in the church. Now you've got to listen to me in the workplace. Wow. It needs to be turned around. And Peter says, no, no. When you're in the workplace, your boss is your, your boss. <laughs> you need to obey the boss. It's hard, isn't it? Right? They wanted a social elevation due to their leadership in the church and found it difficult to submit. And that's why Peter says, servants be subject to your masters with all respect. Is that easy, friends? Do you submit to a boss who is unjust? 
Have you ever been treated unfairly in the workplace? Have you been overlooked for a promotion in your workplace? Because perhaps you're a Christian or you don't get on well with the boss? Have you been sidelined at work because your boss does not get on well with you? I know situations like that. I've had uh, coffees with uh, quite a few people who have explained the challenges in their workplaces. Workplace politics, it's a dangerous thing, isn't it, when that happens in the workplace. How do we respond to it? What do we do? Now, we can do a few things. The temptation is to go for the boss and give him or her a full lecture. Right? The second thing is you can pack your bags and just say, blow this, I'm going, leave you to it, and I'm walking out of the place. Right? Or the third option could be as a Christian, say, well, I'm going to bear this. I'm going to work this one through. I'm going to pray for my boss. Right? I'm going to work this one through. We are called to respond by submitting. Why? Because this, Peter says, is commendable in God's sight. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Two examples, Daniel and Joseph in the Old Testament comes to mind. Now, this does not mean that one has to live in subjugation to your boss as if he or she owns you. There are laws that protect the rights of workers and unfair treatment. We must speak against exploitation. We must speak against oppression. We must speak against injustice. Right? But our attitude should always be one of submission. One of submission. Paul writing to uh, the Ephesian church says, The slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor with the, when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly. If you're in the workplace, do your work well. Don't take the time from your boss to be online, to watch all things on Facebook and everything else at the expense of your boss's time that he's paying you to work. Is that right? For John and myself... You can ask our session members here. They are here, these guys. We give them a report every month of who we have visited, how many homes I have covered, hospital visit. John will give his report. The elders know. These guys know everything that we do. We are very open about it. Not because we are trying to be arrogant in any way, but we want to submit our time and accountability to the leadership of this church. Because people think ministers work only... Come on. Say it. One day a week. Other days we are playing golf, we are doing shopping, we are going wherever. It doesn't work that way. And then a word to bosses. Uh, Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone, and there's a word to bosses. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. Since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. And then James says this, Look, the wages you fail to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. If you are in senior management, friends, be fair to your staff. Exhibit Christian character in your office. If you are an employer and you've got people working for you, be a fair boss. All right? Because when you're a fair boss, your workers will say, What can I do to help the business? But if you're a boss who is really hard to get on with, well, you've lost your workforce, haven't you? 
You lost your workforce. And more than that, God will hold you and myself accountable before him. And then we have this perfect example of Jesus. Peter goes on to point out the perfect example of submission. When he says, for this you have been called, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. See, Peter uh, brings in Isaiah 53. It is interwoven with phrases and allusions from Isaiah 53. And how did Jesus respond when he was unjustly treated? How did Jesus respond? Did he fight for his rights? No. This is what Jesus did. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And then, for you were strange like sheep, but now, but have now returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Jesus had no deceit in his mouth. Very different to ours, right? We walk out of this place, and slander somebody just like that, right? We can tell a lie, bang. It's part of our nature. We can gossip like that. We can cut somebody down with sharp words. I was just thinking about that this past week. You know, with our words, we can just slash a person down, isn't it? Just like that sickle. In Sri Lanka, I never had lawnmowers. No lawnmowers in Colombo at the time I was growing up. We had a sickle, this long thing at the end was so sharp, and I used to cut the lawns with that. In the heat. So work. And I think about that. Our words can be like a sickle, just cut a person off. See, Jesus was not like that. He did not sin. He did not retaliate. He's the Son of God. He entrusted himself to the Father who judges justly. He trusted God to get him through the suffering rather than out of that suffering. You see that? He trusted God to get him through that suffering rather than out of it. He allowed himself to be crucified for our sake. He himself bore our sins, your sins and mine. He suffered the greatest injustice of all time. He used all the strength in his dying body to forgive his murderers. Right? Father, forgive them. While on the cross, Jesus ministers to the man dying beside him. And he announced the completion of that work of salvation. It is finished. It is completed. And Peter was with that Savior. Peter had seen Jesus. Peter was there in the garden when Jesus was crying out. Peter was there when the... When the when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. Remember, he pulled out his sword and cut off a soldier's ear. Peter was there. This guy, Peter, denied Jesus three times. What an example that must have been to Peter. You know, Christ, he never reviled. But he went freely to the cross. Why? Why did Jesus have to suffer the way he did? For a love for sinners. He suffered on our behalf for our sins. And we are called to follow the example of Jesus. Have you got a hero in your life? You got a sporting hero? I'm sure we do. All right, nothing wrong with that. 
But who is your ultimate hero in your life? Whose footsteps do we follow? We are called to follow footsteps of Christ. We can never go to the cross and pay the price for, his, for our sins. Never do that. But we are called to follow the example of Christ. That to forsake our rights. You know, sometimes in ministry, well, you, you don't survive in ministry easily until you learn also to sometimes forsake your rights for the sake of gospel and for the sake of peace. You can't be arguing with everybody under the sun, even though it might be the right thing to do. As ministers, when we get ordained, we are called upon to maintain the peace and unity of the body of Christ, unless, of course, it's a disciplinary issue. And sometimes in life, in our vocations, in our callings, we don't put our rights and say, these are my rights. Yes, they are there, of course, and we protect them. But Jesus did not fight for his rights. He went to the cross. Forgiving and loving those who cause us to suffer unjustly, friends. In doing so, our suffering glorifies God and is not wasted. And then we have this beautiful picture of the shepherd. I want us to just focus on that for a moment. For you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. You were strained, you were gone. How comforting. Is there anyone here this morning who is a believer and you're not sure whether you're going to heaven? Are you struggling with the assurance of salvation? I'm not good enough. I'm not sure if I die, I will go to heaven. Are you really struggling with that this morning? Well, I want to give you this invitation today that if you believe in Jesus Christ, it is God's desire that none should perish but all should come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Today is the day for you to repent and come to know Christ. And if you're a believer here this morning, that's why we sang Blessed Assurance. Know this, that the shepherd, this shepherd, this glorious shepherd is the overseer of our souls. And our souls, my dear friends, on our dying day, in our dying deathbed, God is with us even at that moment. And Christians die well, Christians die well because they know the, the, the overseer, the shepherd of their souls. Do you? Do you know this shepherd this morning? You see, this shepherd watches over us. He knows our pain. He knows our sufferings. He knows our workplace stresses. He knows the heartaches. He knows you. The Good Shepherd. So as we wind up this message this morning, I know it's been a hot morning. Thank you for being patient with me this morning. Why submit, friends? Because of our Good Shepherd, the one who gave his life for you. Do you know him? Do you love him? Is he your everything? What drives you in your life? What's your passion? Who is your passion? So why submit? We have to submit to human authority at every level in terms of our application this morning because this is how God has established it. It is for our good. In this world, there will be injustices always around us. The Bible does condemn oppression and injustice in every form. There are times when we need to speak up against them in the workplace or wherever. Sadly, Christians and the church will suffer injustices and persecution in this world. But this morning, we can take great comfort to know that a day is coming when God will deliver his ultimate justice and make all wrongs right.
One day every human being will submit to the judge, the good shepherd, the judge of heaven and earth, and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This morning, as I close, some questions to ponder. Have you submitted your life to Jesus? Who is holding the reins of your life? Who is in the driving seat of your life? Have you, has Jesus taken you out from the driving seat literally and said, you sit on the passenger seat, man. I'm now in the driver's seat. I'm going to drive your life. It's a hard thing, isn't it? You know, when you're teaching your kids driving, don't your feet move at times, even though you're sitting in the passenger seat while they're driving? Automatically, your legs, your feet start to move. Oh, you start to press the brake and you know, there is no brake there. Right. Your feet are moving. The car has been driven. Is Jesus kind of like that, you know? You just sit there, Lord. That's fine. I'll do the driving. You just once in a way occasionally press the accelerator and pull the brakes, you know. But I'm quite happy here. Who is in the driving seat of your life this morning? My life. Who is, the, who is in the driving seat of this church? Have you submitted to Christ? Do you know the shepherd? The shepherd will one day return. And what a glorious day that will be. When every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and submit to Jesus as Lord. I just want to pray this morning, friends. I just pray you'll know the shepherd. This great shepherd, this awesome shepherd, the shepherd who loves us and is the overseer of our souls. What a beautiful picture. He holds our souls in his hands here and in eternity. And that's the good news that keeps me going every day. That's what keeps us going, I trust, as a church as well. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Let's pray this morning that you'd help us to submit to human institutions, to be model citizens, to be model workers in the workplace, and to follow in the footsteps and examples of Christ in giving up even our own rights for the sake of the gospel. Help us, Heavenly Father, to live lives that honors you. Help us, Father, to to honor one another, to show respect to everyone. Help us to love the brotherhood of believers. Help us to fear God. And help us to honor the King. If there's anyone here this morning who does not know Jesus, I pray today that such a person will find Christ. And to those of us who know you, Lord, Help us to rejoice in our hearts to know that you are the shepherd, the good shepherd, the overseer, the bishop of our souls. Amen.